Hello, I'm Tommy Peeler, and let's carefully examine the text together. In today's broadcast, we look at Psalm 13. Psalm 13 is a short psalm of lament. It is a psalm, as one has described it, a psalm in which despair hopes and hope despairs. Let's read these first six verses of the text. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? Let's back up. The psalm is said for the choir director, a psalm of David in the heading. Now verse 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him, and my adversaries will rejoice when I have shaken But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. As we stated, this is viewed by some as a classic example of a psalm of lament. As the author pours out his heart to God, verses 1 and 2 describe his problem. He expresses his despair. In verses 3 and 4, he begs God to give him light, lest he sleep the sleep of death. But in verses 5 and 6, the mood of this psalm changes drastically. The mood is praise, and he determines that he will sing praise to the Lord. Psalm 13 begins with a fourfold question. How long? How long, O Lord, is asked four times? Now, that question may seem to be a question of despair, and indeed it may be. But this is one who trusts in the sovereignty of God. He believes that God is in control in his world, and he believes that God could stop his problem at any moment he desires. Sometimes our belief in God's sovereignty creates those problems for ourselves. Why, if God could stop this, does he not stop this? And the pressure keeps coming down upon David, and it seems like he cannot stand any longer. And therefore, this fourfold cry, how long? And it seems like as we go throughout the text, those questions intensify. For example, in the first part, he says, How long will you forget me forever? For God to forget someone is to fail to act on their behalf. It is, of course, the opposite of God remembering and acting on the behalf of another. For example, when God began to make the flood disappear from the earth in Genesis 8 and verse 1, the Bible tells us that God remembered Noah. 
And when God blessed Hannah with a child in 1 Samuel 1 in verse 19, God remembered Hannah. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? From the psalmist perspective, it seems like God had totally forgotten about him. In Psalm 44, 24, we see the same question by the group as a whole, the community. Why do you hide your face and forget our affliction and our oppression? But you notice that there is an intensification from the first line to the second. The first line, how long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? But the next question, how long will you hide your face from me. For God's face to shine upon one was to provide blessings for them. You may remember the priestly blessing in number 6 verses 24 through 26. The Lord bless you and keep you and the Lord make his face to shine upon you. And several times, the book of Psalms uses that type of language as it speaks of God's face shining upon us. You see that language in Psalm 67, Psalm 67, verse 1, God be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine Upon us, or Psalm 80 in verse 1, where you see the same thing. Psalm 80, verse 1, the Bible says, Oh, give ear, shepherd of Israel, you who lead the flock like Joseph, you who are enthroned above the cherubim, shine forth. So these passages call upon God to shine, upon God to shine his face. But here, it seems as if God has actively hidden his face. Job asked in Job 13, 24, Why do you hide your face from me? It is one thing to be forgotten. It is another thing for one to actively hide his face from us. And so you see the intensification between the first line and the second line. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? His sorrow is continual, perpetual. It is unending. He takes counsel in his soul and has sorrow in his heart all day long. In the latter part of verse 2, how long will my enemy be exalted over me? This word exalted is used several times in the book of Psalms to talk about the Lord. In Psalm 18, in verse 46, in Psalm 46, verse 11, in Psalm 57, verse 5, and 57, verse 11, the Lord is exalted, but here it seems as if his enemy is in the place that is occupied by God. His enemy is exalted over him. 
How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? It is interesting that sometimes God directs that question, how long to us? For example, in Exodus 16, verse 28, God rebukes Israel and asks how long they will continue to disobey. The same in Numbers 14, verse 11, and Numbers 14, verse 27. Also, Jesus asked, how long must I put up with this disobedient generation? In Matthew 17, verse 17, God asked, how long of us as well? But in verses 3 and 4, David makes his plea to God. He begs God to consider and answer him. And he describes the Lord as the Lord my God. He begs him, enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. For God to enlighten is to give light or give strength. You may remember that when Jonathan was going through that field and he put forth his staff and he brought a honeycomb to his mouth, that his eyes enlightened. And in the psalmist begs God, enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. Enlighten them. And the Bible tells us, my enemy... My enemy will say, I have overcome him. My adversaries rejoice when I am shaken. You notice that it's very difficult to try to put this psalm in a precise place in the life of David. Very difficult to do that. He does mention an enemy in verse 2 and in verse 4, and he uses the term adversaries in plural in verse 4. He speaks of enemies as he does on so many different occasions, but we don't know the specific situation that gave rise to this particular psalm. Also, there is no confession of sin in this psalm. There is no repentance. Very difficult to be precise with when this psalm was written and what were the circumstances. But David feels his need is absolutely urgent. He begs God to answer, to enlighten his eyes, or he will sleep the sleep of death. He begs God that the enemy not be allowed to boast over him by saying that I have overcome him or, he will or, he, or that he will rejoice when I am shaken. In the book of Psalms, to be shaken is to be disturbed, to be, to be rattled, and it sometimes may even refer to death. But it is the righteous who stand firm, while it is the wicked who are shaken. The righteous stand firm and will not be shaken. In Psalm 15, 5, in Psalm 16, verse 8, 
But but here he he begs God to deliver because of what the adversaries may say. They may rejoice when I am shaken. But the tone of this psalm changes drastically from verse 4 to verse 5. In verses 1 through 4, the psalmist has expressed his difficult circumstance and begged God for relief, begged God for relief right now, lest he be killed. But you notice the tone changes in verses 5 and 6. I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Most of these psalms of individual lament end on a note of praise. That is true of the individual psalms of lament. It is true of the book as a whole. The book as a whole is moving from lament to praise. The book has a heavy concentration of laments in book one, but in book five it has a heavy concentration of psalms of praise. The book is moving from lament to praise. Weeping may endure for the night, but shouts of joy will come in the morning. Psalm 30, verse 5, Psalm 126, and verse 5. And that is true of human history. Now we live in a veil of tears. Now we mourn and grieve, though it's mingled with some joy and hope. But there will be a day where we'll be fully praising God and fully rejoicing. Human history is moving from lament to praise. But I want you to notice, not only do these psalms of lament generally end in a note of praise, but the praise is connected with the lament mentioned before. Now, let me illustrate what I mean. In verse 2, David had talked about having sorrow in his heart. But notice in verse 5, he says, My heart shall rejoice. The same heart that was filled with sorrow in verse 2 is filled with rejoicing at verse 5. Not only does the praise in the Psalms of Lament, but the praise answers the earlier things mentioned in the Psalms of lament. You notice too that in verse 4 it is the adversaries he fears will rejoice when they hear the news that he is shaken. But in verse 5 again my heart shall rejoice. It's not going to be his adversaries rejoicing in the end. It's going to be the psalmist who is going to be rejoicing. And the same Hebrew word that ends verse 6, ends verse 2. In verse 6, because he has dealt bountifully with me. And with me is one word in Hebrew, a preposition and a suffix. It's the same way that verse 2 ends when the Bible asks, How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Same preposition and same suffix. In one case, the enemy is exalted over him. 
with him. But now God has dealt bountifully over him and with him. The praise at the end of the psalm changes, answers the lament expressed earlier in the psalm. We don't know if the man's circumstances, if David's circumstances have changed. We don't know that. We don't know if a priest or prophet told him his prayer was answered or if he simply, through the eyes of faith, believes that God will answer. Jesus does not ask the Father how long. He asks the disciples how long. In a sense, as we already mentioned in Matthew 17, 17 and Mark 9, verse 19. But Jesus does cry on the cross and ask why. Why have you forsaken me? And I know there's much controversy about those words and all the depth of meaning behind them. But one thing I think it shows is Jesus takes these most pain-filled of psalms and makes them his own. And and Jesus could speak the words of Psalm 13 in a sense. His enemies rejoiced at his death, just as David fears his enemies will rejoice at his death in verse 4. But on the glorious day of the resurrection, it was his followers who were rejoicing. Yes, God can turn our lament into praise. Let's read it again. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long shall I take counsel in my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Enlighten my eyes, or I will sleep the sleep of death. And my enemy will say, I have overcome him. And my adversaries will rejoice when I am shaken. But I have trusted in your loving kindness. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. May the Lord bless you and keep you.